You're listening to episode 87 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today, we're chatting about how to balance keto with body kindness, when to indulge, and how to balance your indulgences with your nutrition and health goals, dealing with the pain of your body looking a certain way, and so much more. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E87. And I got two cool things for you guys today. The first is that I am going back on tour celebrating my international best-selling book, The Keto Diet. You can head on over to ketodietbook.com slash tour to see if your city is on the list and RSVP. We'll be hanging out. I'll be signing books. We'll be chatting about all the keto things and it's going to be awesome. I hope to see you there. And lastly, I created a three-page freebie, which you can grab at healthfulpursuit.com slash sugar, which gives you five steps you can take right now to end your addiction to sugar. It's something that I struggled with for a really long time. I have been addicted to sugar for over three decades, and it really took working through these five steps in order to get me on my way. Even as I was adjusting to a ketogenic diet, I found that in the first year or so, it was really hard to completely stop the white stuff, and I kept going back to it. So I hope these five steps really help you. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women, so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, heal your body, quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. And now, here's your host. You might know her as the Keto Queen. She's the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of Happy Keto Body, and she loves dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo, Leanne Vogel. Hey everyone, the podcast is supported by the following awesome brands. Can't find the links? Check out the show notes of today's episode. Our first is Dry Farm Wines, a subscription service which delivers high-quality natural wines from small, sustainable family farms. They're organic, dry-farmed, and naturally low in alcohol, zero additives, zero carbs, which allows you to stay in ketosis while drinking wine. I'm not a huge wine drinker, but I've been told by many of you that you are and you love wine and you're frustrated because you can't drink wine on a ketogenic diet. Well, Dry Farm Wines does this and so much more. They're such a great company and I'm glad that I can share them with you. And if you sign up at healthfulpursuit.com slash wine, you get an extra bottle of wine to your first Dry Farm Wines order for just a penny. Second up is Thrive Market, an online grocery store that I use at least once a month, at least. And what I love about Thrive Market is they have all of my favorite products at ridiculously low prices, which makes it so that I can get more for my money and also find a bunch of new cool keto things that I didn't even know about. Oftentimes when I go to their website, they have new stuff that I haven't heard of and I grab a couple of new keto things. And I would say 99% of the time, I love them. It's really great that they are able to offer a bunch of awesome brands that really align with all of our goals with our health and wellness. So you can head on over to thrivemarket.com slash keto to get an instant $60 off plus free shipping and a free 30-day membership. Now that $60 off will be applied to your next three orders. So that's 20 bucks off your next three orders. It's such a wicked deal. I'm so happy that we can offer this to you. 
last but not least, we have Paleo Valley. And if you guys have been following the podcast for quite some time, Paleo Valley have been with us the whole way through. And they make such great products. I'm so happy that they could be on the show. They just came out with a new turkey stick, which is very similar to their grass-fed, grass-finished beef sticks. They are fermented, which means that they're going to have 1 billion probiotic CFUs in each stick. They're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, zero grams of sugar. And what I really like about this is a lot of people say that they don't like red meat. Fair enough. I go through those phases where I just, I can't even be bothered with red meat. So it's really great that they finally come out with a turkey option. The turkey used to make the turkey sticks has full access to outdoor pesticide-free pastures. So you can head on over to paleovalley.com slash keto to receive your instant 20% off. Our guest today is Rebecca Scritchfield, an award-winning health at every size dietitian, exercise physiologist, providing one-on-one counseling and web-based support groups for medical nutrition. She's the author of the book, Body Kindness, Never Say Diet Again, and the host of the Body Kindness podcast. Rebecca is also a freelance writer for the Washington Post, US News, and Self Magazine. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. How are you doing? I am doing so well. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. So for listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you? I would love to. Well, I am a registered dietitian and nutritionist and a certified exercise physiologist. And uh, I work with people in a private practice that's based in Northwest Northwest Washington, D.C. And I focus on um, helping people create a better life through self-compassion and good self-care practices. Um, So I focus on creating a positive well-being. And I use an approach that I created that's also a book, and it's called Body Kindness. And it's the idea that we can, you know, get more out of life, enjoy better health and happiness by being good to ourselves. And so we learn how to practice more compassion and deal with our inner thought. I call them thought bullies, but like our inner voices that are not necessarily helpful thoughts. Um, they often tell us, you're not good enough in this way and that way. And and I really want to help people be able to notice those thoughts and then think about their values and the kind of person they want to be and then set goals that are more in line with their personal values so that they can you know, make choices from a place of love, um, really give their body what it needs when it needs it. Like for example, sometimes it's rest, you know, and even though they feel great after workouts, their body actually needs rest. Maybe you might be fighting, you know, uh, body's working hard to prevent an illness or you're just stressed out and you need more downtime. So how, how you can, you know, deal with those voices that might be um, distracting you from self-care and really kind of reframe your mindset, you know, to, to practicing what it means to be good to yourself, even if it's off, maybe what you think, um, your body really needs. Like you're still an exerciser, right? If you skip a couple days because you don't feel well or you're, you just need a break, you need some fun in your life. And that actually you'd be, you'd be healthier and happier in the long run by showing yourself that kindness um, and then re-energize yourself to get back into your workouts again. So that's just one, one example. Um, but I love working with 
mostly work with adult women who have a history of chronic dieting and body image and weight concerns. Um, And I also do a fair bit of working with families uh, in DC. So it's usually around the pre-puberty to puberty time and parents will bring their kids in with concerns. And it's such an interesting dynamic because I get to um, talk to the parents about their histories and their sort of thoughts and, and opinions around food and body and healthy living. And then I get to talk with the kids directly. And really a lot of that work, I feel like I'm helping to um, prevent sort of a worsening of body image or weight concerns or even uh, eating disorders. So that I also find really rewarding too. I love that. And I want to kind of paint a picture. So for women that are listening that are like, this sounds a little bit hocus pocus. (laughs) (laughs) She's lying. (laughs) What's happening? Can we paint a picture of what it would look like when we've embraced some of these approaches that you just mentioned before we dive in? Sure. Um, So I think, well, for example, a very simple way of practicing self-compassion is to say something like, it's okay. Right. And so I can think of a recent example um, for me. Like I was already in this place where I had been busy. Um, One of my girls got sick. And so between juggling work and childcare needs, my exercise was kind of in the toilet for like a week and a half. And that's longer than I like it to be in the toilet. I like to exercise regularly. You know, it's it's part of my identity. It's part of uh, how I get energy, how I manage stress and stay focused. And so it's kind of like, wait, in this time where I'm stressed, I'm actually more stressed because I'm not working out. And so you get you get frustrated, right? And it's like, so to allow this caregiver voice to come in and say, it's okay, You know, and that is a basic frame for self-compassion. If you can just say the words, it's okay, meaning it's okay to be here right now. It's okay to be frustrated. And it makes sense because exercise is something I care deeply about, you know, but then when my thoughts might start to go to, and this is why you suck, you know, you're never gonna accomplish something you wanted to in a workout, or, you know, you might gain weight if you, because you've skipped a week and a half. Now the voices start to become unhelpful. And what we really need is a caregiver because when we can practice this compassion and let ourselves feel the gamut of emotions, including negative emotions like frustration when we can't do the workouts we wanted to do. And in particular, what happened in this week, I finally had a moment where I was going to be able to do a morning workout and I signed up for a class that you can't like, it's like, if you don't do it, you lose the money. And I set the alarm for PM instead of AM. And so I slept through it. (laughs) So then the inner critic was like, you suck. And now you wasted money. And it was like a total nag, right? Like that nag, that thought is just so unhelpful. And the truth is, it's like you can't control your thoughts or feelings. But me beating myself up just added fuel to the fire. So I needed to practice this compassion, say it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. What can we do right now that matters? And it's like beating myself up wasn't going to get myself a workout. But what I was able to do was put on workout clothes, email the studio, let them know what happened. I was grateful. They were able to like refund my class. So no problems there. And I was able to do a modified workout at home that was shorter that fit my schedule. And and, and that's the point. When you can use self-compassion, you are actually more likely to make the next best self-care choice that is in line with the kind of person you want to be. So like, I don't want to criticize and judge myself, but there 
there are times when I do. So when I look for that caregiver reframe, then I take a meaningful action that's more in line you know, like with the stuff you tell your best friend, with the stuff that you want to do, but in the moment seems so hard. Like it was hard to get dressed anyway. And it was hard to, to go and do like this 15 minute jog workout. You know, I threw in some sprints, but it just, it wasn't the same as the more intense workout I was going to do. And to just say, Hey, like you still had time to move your body. You're listening to some fun music and it's about you know, moving in a way that feels good to you. And right now in this moment, this is what it is. And this is good enough. And so, yeah, so that that would be an example of sort of how that mindset helps you create a better life because your life is really built up of a series of habits. And your habits are a series of choices that you make. And we could choose to, to you know, make these decisions from a place of love and kindness, or we can choose to make choices from a place of feeling inadequate, insecure, never good enough, perfectionistic type voices, which is really deeply, deeply rooted and connected to shame. And when we feel shame, we say things like, you aren't enough and you are bad. And I just don't think that we can put our best selves out into the world, no matter what we do, if we're constantly feeling like we're bad and we're not enough. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more I found when I started working on how the relationship I had with my body and that started to feel pretty good. And I was like, I don't care what you think about my body and all those things, but it started to pop up in other areas. Like now all of a sudden I'm not good enough at work and I'm not good enough at the gym. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like a whack-a-mole of like, Oh no, okay, this, this. yeah. You know, I often equate it. It's, it's like, if we can all remember what a, what a radio was, <laughs> it's like having one of those radios with a controller on it, but the knob is broken and so it's stuck on a station and you hate the song, right? It's like, ah, I just, you know, it's come on Eileen or something and you just want to turn the song off, um, but you can't. And this is, this is what our thoughts do to us. So it's not whether or not thoughts are good or bad or right or wrong wrong. The real question we should ask is, is this thought helpful? And if it's not helpful, then you simply acknowledge it as a bunch of words. Oh, interesting. Now my mind is trying to judge me how I'm doing at work, you know, because it's, you know, because I'm doing better at body image. Now it's, you know, criticizing something else. You know, it, it just literally acknowledging it, you know, even saying thank you, like, thank you mind for trying to make me feel not good enough. But you know, I really want to be the kind of person who, who is adequate and who is enough. And I do that through compassion. I'm showing up to work with my best foot forward and it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be. Mm. How do you feel about the practice? Um, like if somebody's in that space and Perhaps they're saying, no, I shouldn't apply for that promotion. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't manage all of these people. I, I couldn't do that. And that's that negative voice saying you can't do it. Um, something I started a couple of years ago was like, why, why do you believe that you can't do it? And that negative voice is saying you can't do it. Most of the time for me, it's protecting me from embarrassment, mm -hmm. uh, mostly embarrassment. <laughs> like if we just boil down to it, I don't like being embarrassed. I don't like being called out. And so I, 
I choose not to do things because I'm scared of it. And that negative voice is telling me not to do that thing really to protect me from feeling that feeling I don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, 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 and fear is a very strong and powerful negative emotion. Um, but one of the things in fact, so there's four parts to body kindness. And one of the parts literally is all about emotions. And it is acknowledging the ways in which bad emotions are actually good for you. And so what I work on with people is reframing the purpose of the negative emotion. It's to give you energy and it's to tell you, hey, you know, something you care about is at stake here. And so we need energy to focus on this thing we care about. So a very strong critic that is rooted in shame and perfectionism will say something like, who do you think you are trying to go for that promotion, you're never going to get it. Like there's going to be too many other applicants, you know, you, you barely even, the fact that you even think you qualify, I mean, you know, and so again, it's rooted in perfectionism and shame. It's an unhelpful way of thinking, but you could reframe that and say, okay, you know, thank you mind for alerting me to the fact that, you know, whenever I put myself out there, I have a higher level of anxiety and fear um, because I don't like feeling negative emotions, right? I've learned, however, that negative emotions are a form of pain and pain is uncomfortable, but I, but I need to embrace my negative emotions because risk-taking is a part of life that could um, help me learn and grow, you know, so it doesn't even have to be a, an argument over whether or not you will actually get the promotion, but more about, you know, that it makes sense that I'm feeling fear because I want to protect myself from pain, but I also like opportunities that help me learn and grow. Mm, yeah, it totally reframes it. See it? Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, and, in the grand scheme of things, so effortless. But I think a lot of people hear body kindness and they're like, ugh, that means I have to love every part of my body and do all that. <laughs> <What's> no. <laughs> That's like the first question I get is just like, that is like the last thing I want people to think actually, because it's not Pollyanna. Like if you hear body kindness and think of that woman jumping in the field of daisies, like you just need to rip that picture up out of your mind. And it truly, just means that you're fully committed to being good to yourself, right? It's just it's just committed to to connecting to you, right? That nobody can care about you or love you more than you do. And you can put a mask on and do your best to care about people and your job and all these other things that matter to you in life that make life meaningful. But you will run up against a wall as long as you are being so hard on yourself that you're unwilling to stay fully committed to your well-being. Mm, yes, completely. And also I would think like seeking approval from others, I think they kind of, do they go hand in hand of like if you're constantly seeking mm -hmm. approval from other people and not finding that approval within yourself, you'll never really be all that happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is interesting. So my, uh, my mom was definitely a people pleaser and I have genetically obtained the people pleasing gene. 
And then I remember somewhere reading, it must have been around college time. It was some paper written by a psychologist. And it was basically talking about how one in four people will not like you no matter what you do. And I remember first being like, that is bullcrap. I will make that person like me. Uh, You know, like I can somehow break the rule of psychology or something. But then I thought about it and I was like, wow, that's actually really freeing. That like no matter what you try to do to get that one person to like you, it's never going to work. So why are you so worried about that 25% when you have 75% who actually really care about you and your well-being unconditionally? And so it really kind of helped me step away from perfectionism in a lot of really interesting ways because I could just let go. Like I could drop the rope and the tug of war that I was having with this idea of what it meant to be good enough and what it meant to be accepted and liked by other people. Mm, I love that. And you mentioned self-care a little while ago, and I I would love for you to define it because recently, I don't know if it's just questions I've been getting or all over, but people are saying like self-care is not having a shower every day. That's just like basic stuff. (laughs) Self-care is like actually taking care of your mental, physical well-being. How do you define self-care and how does that align with body kindness? Sure. I would define self-care as when you're able to to tune in and sense, you know, I'm hungry, I need to eat, and I notice I'm craving, you know, I don't know, I notice I'm craving pizza, but, uh, you know, it's not a good time for me to have pizza right now because I'm I'm working and I don't want to take a break or I brought this lunch instead. But I'm going to I'm going to acknowledge that craving and I'm going to try to make a plan, you know, to go get that with a friend or, you know, make a plan to have that because it sounds like, you know, it's something I've been missing. It's something that I'd like to enjoy. Right? So that can be a form of self-care, connecting, noticing that you're hungry, noticing that you need to eat. So going to eat, you know, but if you notice that you're having a craving, like rather than, oh, what's a good or bad food or whatever, like you eat in a way that feels good to your body. And so if you're craving something that you're not allergic to and that you know feels good, you know, it might be a good time to have it. Enjoy it, right? Go enjoy it and love. But if you're busy working or you're on a thing, you know, running an errand and you, you can't get what you're really craving, that you still make room to allow that craving to exist and And think about finding another time when you could associate that craving with like a joyful moment in life. So that is an example of like your body is saying, hey, I have a need. And it's not just hunger. It's actually craving a type of food. And then of course, outside of food, I mean, I would put movement and exercise into a form of self-care, but there's a lot of variability and flexibility in what that would look like. Um, So I I talk a lot about joyful movement, but I absolutely do not mean doing cartwheels into your fitness class that you just can't wait to do. Like some days that might be you and other days it's like, oh, it was effort just to get out of bed. But it's this idea that you take an optimistic view with your exercise versus criticism and judgment. And even if the only thing you feel at the end is like, thank goodness that's over, you also feel kind of like at a girl pat on the back that I'm glad I took time for myself today. And and this mattered. I also think sleep is a very essential part of self-care. And then I would put kind of like in a in a bucket, a big old bucket of fun, I'd call it. But this could be like, what do you do for hobbies? What do you do for socializing so that you are, you know, avoiding 
loneliness and isolation. Um, I also put sex in the fun basket too. So like whether it's you're by yourself or with partners, like, you know, are you exploring your sexual health as part of your well-being? And so, yeah, so so that I'd frame up self-care in this context of the things you do um, that's looking at how you cultivate a positive well-being, and it absolutely includes both mind and body health. So it's not just, I saw the doctor, got my labs, my labs look great. You know, that would be one part of it. It's also like, okay, my labs look great. Am I speaking kindly to myself? Am I, you know, am I eating in a way that feels good to my body? Am I moving in a way that feels good? And I don't think we all could give ourselves A pluses in all of these categories all the time. So the the body kindness side of it is actually permission to say, you know what? The next couple of weeks are going to be crazy. And over the next couple of weeks, this is what I have time and energy to put effort into that I think is doable. And so this is what I'm going to focus on. So you might not, you know, tick off the most perfect list of everything you need to do to make it a great week. You might actually need to be flexible and protect your sleep time, cut out a little bit of exercise or cut down the the duration or something like that. Um, Maybe you need help from the grocery store on some food items because you're going to be cooking less. And so for everyone, it's going to look a little bit different, but it's this idea that you're able to be less rigid and more flexible because you're not striving for perfection as much as what's going to help me be positive about the week and and keep my energy focused on the things that I really care about accomplishing. Amazing. And you mentioned, you know, if you're craving, you know, pizza, for example, you know, I'm working right now, but maybe I can have that later. The women listening are like, very diet focused and mm-hmm. we eat a ketogenic diet and when there's cravings i think many of the women listening are like well no we'll just push that down that's not a thing like shut up go to the gym work out more and maybe have an avocado and it'll make the craving go away um how do you balance nutrition and the overall i'm sure you get this question all the time you know exactly where i'm going with this like how do you how do you balance nutrition um with goals and also body kindness and making that all work with everything yeah i mean you know it's so tough because nutrition is so 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 individual right so Starting from the assumption that a listener who is following ketogenic has been through something in their life where they feel that eating in a ketogenic pattern is body kindness that, you know, because I say in body kindness, like no one can tell you what body kindness is or isn't. And so I guess operating from the assumption that a listener has like something has happened around their eating pattern that has drawn them to ketogenic and then something has happened in their way of eating ketogenic that that they feel their life is better, right? Maybe there's better physical benefit. Maybe there's something that they were dealing with medically that is resolving. And so, you know, again, like it's different in a one-on-one session where I could talk to a client and dig deep and everything like that um, to, to, to really know. But practicing the assumption that eating in a ketogenic way is creating is creating a better life for that person then i would look at maybe i might ask the question of well what are some things that you miss eating that you haven't been successful at 
finding it fit with ketogenic. And then I might ask, is there a real medical reason for why you might not be able to experiment with taking a break or having some not... I hate the word cheat day, so I'm not going to say that, but I think, but I think that that's what's going to come out, right? That's sort of like, can I actually, you know, like if I'm not allergic to the pizza because of celiac disease, do I think I could have a joyful moment with it that's mindful and with someone I care about? And do I think that would create a better life, right? And so again, that would be like an individual question for a person to explore. But if, if you're listening and, and, and you found a way of eating that works for you, you know, I would say that that crave that having a food craving could be a way of your body saying that it that's missing like some kind of nutrients. It could also be a way of your emotions talking. It's like, you know, I really miss having this certain ice cream from my childhood and I you know, I like the flavor or I like the store down the road and and so I would I would encourage a person to to listen to those because it it may be a sign that that literally something is missing in the eating pattern or it could be a sign that like you are missing some joy, you're missing some happiness and if it's not looking like something you're willing to be flexible at from a food standpoint, then maybe there are other ways of of getting that joy and happiness. Um, but if somebody is listening and feeling like, you know, I just don't know if if in the long term, you know, 100% ketogenic is something that's going to work for me, I think you can be curious about exploring that without having to make any sort of immediate black and white decisions, right? Because if you're, you are thinking of making a, any kind of transition, what would you go into? And is that body kindness too? Do you get what I'm saying? And I think people are very black and white in their thinking and all or nothing. And that's not necessarily a good form of self-care either. But it's, it's a tough question to kind of answer with a broad brush stroke. I don't know how I did for yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, you did great. And I think to what you just said, it's like people feel like, but I have to label it. Like I'm either keto or I'm not. And, and if I'm not, then what am I? Am I a vegan? And I think these are just words. <laughs> and we give them power. <laughs> and they look at me nothing like <laughs> when you really boil it down and um to your point of you know can you go off a ketogenic diet for a day a week or just take a break and that's why I incorporated um for those listening that are familiar with my programs the carb up is like I can't sit here and say all you have to do for the best health ever is eat 20 grams of carbs for the rest of your life you're welcome like it's just not practical <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Um, and for some yeah. it works and for me it didn't. And so mm -hmm. I, I really love that point of just, yeah, I mean, there are times where I have popcorn with my sister watching Beauty and the Beast. When that movie came out, I was not going to not eat popcorn. Like that was non-optional. Like my sister and I are going with my mom. We're going to eat the popcorn. And am I keto? No, popcorn is not keto. But do I eat a lot of fat and feel good because of it? Yes, because it makes me feel good. And the next day I just eat more fat because it makes me feel good. And I think you're right. It's like defining that gray area is so important. And yeah, yeah. And, and I think people finding what is workable, you know, like, and, and what is workable for you. So in a one on one setting, I am going to, I am going to get all kinds of information so I can help people strike a balance between what's going on with their physical health, what their history is. Um, it's highly, highly tailored. And, you know, I guess I should just share for listeners benefit that like I, 
I was a chronic dieter. So like at nine, I started dieting. I restricted calories. I was like congratulated for like my commitment to exercise for doing like, you know, all the Denise Austin and Tammy, uh, what, Buns of Steel, whoever she was, exercise videos. And like, I would miss some social events or, you know, I would like under eat and restrict calories. And my friend would be like, let's go to Burger King. And we get Burger King. And like, thankfully we did because I got some calories in me. But like, I had, you know, this sort of like, disordered, like I never had, I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder. But what's also interesting is that I also had, I didn't have health insurance until I was 18 because my family had um, financial issues. And so we actually had times where we didn't have enough food around. And it was like, it was not an intentional restriction. It was just, we didn't have enough. And then And then there were also times where I was like, oh, like if I can just fix my body, the boys will like me and, you know, I won't be sad anymore or whatever was going on. And so then I actually, I I got it twisted in my mind that through magazines and stuff, right? So Cosmopolitan and fitness and all these magazines that like... I sort of learned about healthy eating there and that this way of living was health. And so even my interest in becoming a dietitian was I thought by helping people, you know, do quote unquote weight management and like eat almonds and apples at the 11 a.m. snack that I was really helping people live a healthy life. And so I had a rock bottom with dieting in my own life you know, post-college and then also in working with clients where I realized, you know what, this, what I'm doing in externally prescribing people rules on how to eat and live and move, this is not really helping people with their mental and physical health. And so I need to figure out a different way. And so in, in, in body kindness, you know, it's really meant to be size inclusive. And, and I even talk about like never following like another diet, meaning like, someone's external prescription of rules. But I think that, you know, like I say in the book, literally, no one can tell you what body kindness is or isn't. And so I know for my experience, like I I don't follow ketogenic. I know about it. I know how I would use it in medical nutrition therapy. Um, but for me, I don't think it would be helpful based on my history and based on the different foods I like to eat. But that doesn't mean that I know every listener's experience and life and what is workable for them. So that's where we all have to let individuals do what they think is the most helpful for them. And if you start to find things that are bubbling up for you. Like if somebody said they had a very high anxiety around food or they didn't let themselves eat the popcorn with their sister. If I saw rigidity and not flexibility, I would start to be concerned about mental health and has this gone too far? Is this no longer, you know, you thought it would be positive, but is this no longer really sustainable? And then what helped that person on an individual level figure out how to evolve into a better life pattern to where we didn't have that anxiety around food anymore. Mm, Yes, completely. And I think part of this conversation too, uh, especially with body kindness is the problem areas that people feel that they have of, 
being extra sensitive about maybe their belly or their thighs or their arms or, you know, weight after birthing babies and all those things. Do you have any advice for women um, where they can reframe their thinking when they're stuck in that space? Like I've been in that space where I could look at my thighs for like seven hours and just hate on myself for all seven hours. Like how do we get out of that when it's happening? Yeah. Well, you know, I, so I think any step in the more positive direction of the kind of person you want to be. So for example, if you are ruminating on negative thoughts about your body, can you notice when you're ruminating and it's, you know, well, one of the things that's important to say is that we can't control our thoughts, right? And this, there's a lot of freedom in that, you know? So if I say like, don't think about airplanes, right? Or like, hey, look, I'll give you a million dollars. Just don't think of strawberries no matter what. Like the fact is the second I say something, your brain is already creating a picture. And it's proof that we cannot control the thoughts that come into our minds. But we can control how we respond to them. And it's about reducing the power we give to our thoughts. So the second you notice you're having a negative body thought, you might have spent hours ruminating on something negative. And so what I would work on is reducing the time it takes to become aware, right? And so for someone like that, I might say, we're going to do, you know, some days of just jotting down in a notebook thoughts when we have them, right? So that now you get yourself recording something like, oh my gosh, you know, I just had this thought that my thighs are way too big and they're gross. And you literally need to write that down. And so it's on a piece of paper and it's presented there there as words, right? That brings it into your awareness that there's a negative thought taking place. And again, you can't control that it's there, but you can choose a response, right? What's the next positive self-care choice I could make? You know, rather than continuing to make to read on the self-flagellation and the bullying and all that stuff, you could look at those words and you could think of, you know what, let me think of a powerful reframe. What is something that I can be grateful for about my legs and my body. You know, am I great? You know, at least that they work. You know, there are people who who aren't able-bodied, right? And and they all have a good positive outlook on life and they're still just as worthy and valuable able as who is able-bodied, right? But you can express gratitude for something even if you have a lot of pain around the way your thighs are showing up in the world. You can choose to acknowledge that pain and choose to reframe. And while I'm having, you know, while I'm having negative thoughts about this body part, because they are just thoughts, I also choose to acknowledge the ways that they show up for me because I care deeply about my kids and they allow me to squat down and pick up my kids or they allow me to work and I care about my job that's helping people. My job gives me money for food and I care that I have that money. So gratitude can be very powerful and very healing. And and the part of you that doesn't want to do this BS exercise, by the way, is the unhealthy part of you that doesn't want things to change. <laughs> you know, it's the critic that's like, why'd you write down that stuff? That's just silly. And just gratitude, that's just a bunch of, you know, baloney. That that same voice that you're hearing is the voice that doesn't want anything in your life to change. It doesn't want you to build compassion. It doesn't want you to be good to yourself. And so we acknowledge that. 
thank you, mind. I'm just going to sit down here and write my thoughts anyway. (laughs) And you just keep taking meaningful action in line with your values. Ultimately, what will happen is through meaningful action, you actually change the way you see things. You literally change the way your brain is wired. And this is, this is not even a nutrition thing. This is a biological neuroscience thing. The phrase is the neurons that fire together, wire together. And that means that when you have a thought that leads to an action, those two things are going to solidify together. So by you noticing the thought and taking action by writing down the thought and writing a reframe, that reframe is going to wire in the more you practice it. But we have to practice living like the kind of person we want to be, even though we're not yet that person, because that practice is how we eventually get there. Mm -hmm. And I think this would apply also to a healing journey, like many of the people listening today are on some sort of healing journey, maybe they're coming from a place of hypothyroidism or gut imbalances. And I think there's a lot, especially in the ketogenic community, and I'm sure in other communities, because it's so weight loss focused, even though we're on a healing journey, and, and just trying to be kind to our bodies, we go online, and we see all these people with their before and after pictures, and their progress, and it's hard to not, you know, refocus on that. Do you have any suggestions um, where people can define their health or uh, happiness through non-physical aspects? well let's we for that we need to literally take everything about american culture and throw it in a dumpster (laughs) set it on fire and just start over really because (laughs) (laughs) yes and we can play we didn't start the fire and dance around in our beautiful bodies get naked if we want to get naked and just rebel against the patriarchy because that's what this is i mean you know taking it to a deeper level i mean like look i was nine years old and i thought it was good to like cut my calories, right? And it was like, it was partially, I mean, there was a lot of factors, but at the end of the day, I I didn't dream up that idea as much as the culture puts it in there. And that has not changed. It's only gotten worse with social media. It, 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 typically hurts women, um, where our cultural value is put in to our appearance. We get a, like social power when we conform to this thin, muscular, toned ideal. However, it's a bunch of bullcrap because scientifically, we are a diverse population. Heights, weights, colors, shapes, sizes, abilities, gender identities, all of it. We are diverse. We've always been diverse. And a good analogy is like with kind of think about dogs, right? Like you have the poodles, right? Tall, thin, curly hair, right? That's the thin ideal. And then you have like the mastiffs, right? And if you think about what diet culture does is it tells mastiffs that they should do whatever it takes to look like a poodle. And a mastiff is never going to look like a poodle. A mastiff can take care of that mastiff body with balanced eating in a way that works for the mastiff, exercise, sleep, stress, good sex for the mastiff, all that stuff. And it's still going to look like a mastiff. It's never going to look like a poodle. And, 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 and it goes the same for humans. You know, you could take 
you know, like two people, I mean, even people in the same family, and they could do the same exact things. And they aren't necessarily going to look the same or have the same health outcomes. And so we need to get better at celebrating the value of diversity. But for those listeners who are at a higher weight now, or maybe there was a fat phobia growing up and like you were told the worst thing in the world you could do to yourself is gain weight, right? These things are painful traumas that we carry with us. And then it's reinforced by a culture that says you must do this in order to be worthy, you know, and to see that I am not wrong. I am worthy for being born. I am not wrong. This culture is really messed up. And that is where no matter what your shape or size is, if you're at a higher weight, you can reject the thin ideal. And if you conform to a thin ideal, right, through genetics and self-care, you can be an ally to higher weight folks and say, you know what? You have a right to exist at your current size, shape, weight, appearance, all of it. You have a right to exist and be here. You have a right to your preferences. You have a right, you know, to eat and move in ways that you can afford and that you find good. You know, like nothing drives me crazier than this goop stuff, right? Where I, and I read Gwen Paltrow just got more funding, going to go global with goop. You know, like this is the extreme in the wellness culture that I think is very, very sick. It's like expensive events that only thin white women can afford, right? And like these products that nobody really needs. And, but it plays on our fear that if I spend and invest into this, you know, complex, I will somehow be worthy and anointed and deemed as safe. And so in the long run, you know, like for the sake of my own daughters, I need to do what's in my power to put the blame on the system and to work to change this system that's oppressive. And it might not change in my life, my lifetime. But how can I take meaningful action now? But also, how can I practice resilience for myself and my family? And how can I help others practice resilience too? And it really all grows out of love and kindness for yourself. You know, you do body kindness for yourself, but also let's make space in the room for size diversity, you know, and not judge a person as healthy or not based on their fat cells. Yes. To everything you just said, Rebecca, you rock. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, amazing. (laughs) Um, Where can people find more from you if they want to follow you and learn more from you? Sure. So I'm at bodykindnessbook.com and there you can get um, a free mini e-course and you just give your name and email, check up with you over email. There's a video, there's a, there's um like a self-reflection and tracking. Um, and there's all my social media handles on there as well. That's amazing. We'll, in- we'll include all of the links in today's show notes, which you guys can get at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E87. And thanks again for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again next Sunday to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice. 
diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be confused as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcasts reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.